106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. There's pants and burgers. Yeah, lots of space in this mall. Disco pants and haircuts. Yeah. sure you all know what that scene is. It's from the Blues Brothers, of course. Cars and movies just go together, and that's what this show is all about. Actually, we shot a show a few weeks back. We ran out of time. We had tons of movies to talk about, and to talk about them again today, we've got Todd Lassa from Motor Trend Magazine, Peter DeLorenzo, the publisher of AutoExtremist.com, and Jim Hall from 2953 Analytics. And Peter, let's get back to some of the racing movies, because I, I know we didn't cover them all, and uh, a fairly recent one, just out a few years ago, The Fast and the Furious. Yeah, The Fast and the Furious uh, capitalized on the uh, tuner crowd, and it was uh, it was uh, really stupid, and it had a lot of you know hot babes and and tuner cars and, and no made money and made money, and no plot, Vin Diesel. I mean, actually, it wasn't bad. The sequel was horrible, but the first one wasn't bad. There's some amazing stunts in that where they take the Integra and go underneath the, the, the tanker truck as it's yeah. rolling. And you're like, okay, that was impressive. Yeah. I'd also, it's, it's also the first movie where, other than some um, exploitation films about, about juvenile delinquents, where the racing is street racing. Yeah. And, and that may be, in some ways, the most significant thing about it. Because it was really a tension on street racing, which has gone on, I mean... You, you know, to back to American yeah, yeah. graffiti. Ever to since it was a car, exactly. And, and so instead of it was race, and it's and that they're they're covering it in a way that you would you would probably think about racing as organized as road racing or whatever. There's just no sanctioning body. It's avoid the cops. So I was in, I was intrigued that they decided to do that. Uh, to tell you the truth, because. When I thought, ah, oh, this isn't going to work, and I, I would never have been more wrong about a movie. Well, it did all make... you need to do, it shows that all you need are babes in cars to get young guys into the movie theaters, and all you have to do is update the, uh, the situation. In this case, you know, sport compacts uh, racing on the street instead of... But it did, that, that, that one does have the impressive wheelie scene with the charger. Yeah. Um, well, and, hydraulically assisted well, that wheelie scene. Well, that made every scene. trailer for the movie. Absolutely. The car charger standing on well. its rear end and going down the street. And, you know, this kind of gets back to, uh, you know, we showed, we started the last show with a clip of Bullet, and we started this one with, uh, with the Blues Brothers. And it gets back to this whole thing about the evolution of the car chase or car, using cars as props, that you, you, we've already gone way beyond any reality or, or doing what, you know, nothing can surprise you anymore. You have to take it to an extreme. And the Blues Brothers, for me, kind of uh, capped that period where we started out with Bullet and we had a certain car, kind of car chase throughout the 70s going into, uh, into the Blues Brothers. And they just took it and they just ran with it and did the, the most extreme car chase perhaps ever. We're getting ahead of ourselves, though. Boy, because <laughs> they're racing movies that are, I mean... There's a racing movie that I love, and, and I contend in some ways it is one of the most realistic racing movies, other than the fact it has Kirk Douglas playing an Italian with no noticeable accent other than Kirk Douglas's accent, called, <laughs> called The Racers. And it, it captures something that there was a time when the guys that raced in Grand Prix racing didn't race just in Formula One or in Grand Prix racing. They raced in a bunch of series. And the movie has scenes from um, 
I mean, real footage. Real footage that's yeah. rather impressive with the Mia Amelia. Um, with cars breaking down on the side of the road and you have to fix them. You know, and, and it, it's really, I think it's, 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 a, it's a visually, it's a great movie. It's uh, color. It was widescreen at the time for their idea of widescreen. And it's, it's, it's tough to find. Uh, but it's really a pretty good movie. The Mia Amelia footage is astonishing. The crashes, on the other hand, well, hokey, you know. <laughs> Uh, we didn't have computer-generated images back then. As, uh, no, they had large-scale models that uh, when one of them goes off the road, it sort of scutters along in its nose for a while before it sets down. I'm like, wow. So another I... racing movie is Winning with Paul Newman, which Paul Newman readily admitted that uh, launched him on his career to be a race driver. And he turned out to be a pretty good race driver. In Very. fact, a lot of people said if he had started when he was a lot younger... And didn't bother with his acting stuff. ...that he, he could have been absolutely a professional race driver. Yeah, and winning was responsible for that, so... And apparently he liked that a lot more than acting. I mean, he would have rather done it himself, but uh, came into it late. I've, I saw that movie a long time ago. I vaguely remember it. I remember it being a little bit Grand Prix-ish, where the, the racing kind of uh, eclipsed uh, the stuff that didn't go on, that went on when they weren't racing. But When they're not racing, the truth is it's a movie where the, the storyline does kind of drag. It, yeah, it yeah, definitely yeah. slows up, and they, they were, it, it's overly simplistic because, again, it's the racing driver's girlfriend, wife, sleeps with a, you know, I mean, it's just, it, it's... And then there are movies that are totally ridiculous and are campy in that way. Tried to be so. The Great Race. Oh, The Great Race. Uh, you know, let's take a, a, something that actually happened. There was a race between New York and Paris. Way back when. 1908. And it took months and months and months. And it's the last thing on earth you ever would want to try to film because it would be boredom on, on, on uh, distilled down. You know, like. But instead, they create characters. Professor Fate, Jack Lemon, and the great Leslie, whose teeth glimmer uh, with, with a cartoon highlight. It, it's, it's one of those movies, it's great to watch. The, uh, there's some very interesting stuff with the race early on, where they're racing around the Warner's back lot of the, the New York Street. But still, it's one of those movies, it's, it's well-directed, it's charming, it's got a great story, and it's stolen a little bit from a lot of movies. And, and it was kind of the end of old Hollywood, wasn't it? I mean, we had that period in the 60s where a couple years later, we spoke about The Graduate earlier, that was kind of part of the new movement in Hollywood, and, and that, that was all the old stuff. It was done the way uh, uh, movies of the 50s would have been done more, th more than the 60s. I think it was 1965. They had all these, uh, all these great actors in it. Uh, uh, Jack Lemmon played uh, the villain, and, uh, and who else was in it? The, um, uh, there was Natalie Wood, Curtis Tony was, Curtis. Yeah. It's really, uh, it's, it's a well-done film. Came out concurrently about the same time as a movie called Those Magnificent Men uh, in, their flying in Their Flying Machines. And that precipitated a uh, something men in their jaunty jalopies that was a really bad racing film with, that took place during the, the, uh, Monica, or the Monte Carlo rally. In the I third. have trouble keeping those movies straight. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that was the old Hollywood, though, yeah. because yeah. after that it was Bonnie and Clyde, and then mm -hmm. things got darker. And you can't talk about cars and movies and not bring up James Bond films. I mean, cars yeah. have figured so heavily in those, Peter. Absolutely. I mean, uh, who knew that the Aston Martin would be as famous as James Bond? Maybe uh, more so. Maybe more so to this day. To this yeah. day. I mean, ever since Goldfinger, where they had a DB4. And, DB5. Uh, or DB5, excuse and me. It, and it didn't work when they tried to put the BMW Z3 in it. You'll be using this Aston Martin DB5 with modifications. Now, pay attention, please. Windscreen bulletproof. You see the gear lever here? Now, if you take the top off, you'll find a little red button. Whatever you do, don't touch it. No, why not? Because you'll release this section of the roof and engage and fire the passenger ejector seat. 
ejector seat. You're joking. I never joke about my work, 007. Bond's first car in a film was the antithesis of any of those. And it did start. 57 Chevy, wasn't it? No, he was riding in the back. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. The, the, uh, the uh, Sunbeam. It's a Sunbeam Alpine in one of the worst Bond chases ever. Because they, the Bond movies were low-budget films. They were very low-budget movies. And a lot of this was shot. The early ones. The early one. The early one. one. The first one. I'm Dr. talking about no Dr. No. The first Russia one. With love. But yeah. Dr. No was, it was the first attempt to do it. They had no intention of doing 21 feature films. They never, that's more than any series has ever done for films. It's a record to this day. So they decided to do this thing and they, they had an ad, they basically rented themselves a Sunbeam Alpine. And in it, Bond is being chased by these guys in a 1940 LaSalle hearse. It's process screen. So they put a camera on the back of the car and shoot the, the rear projection plate for them driving the car. The problem is that the car that's following the camera car got a little too close. So there's scenes where Bond's driving. And if you look in the back, either Bond is, is lying on the ground or else the, the, the LaSalle is five and a half, has a, a grill that's five and a half feet tall. And it's hilarious. It's so bad. But that's what a, a LaSalle grill looks like if you're being chased and you're driving <laughs> a sunbeam. You know. Yeah. But that's what I always thought was hilarious is here's the, the heroes always, and it doesn't matter whether it's Bond or not. But we'll talk about he's he's in this great sports car and the bad guys and there's usually a boatload of them in some old Mercedes or maybe a LaSalle in, and they always catch up to the sports car in gold, mostly Mercedes in, gold, in Goldfinger there's the chase around Goldfinger's uh, his, his, his factory in Switzerland where in fact Bond cannot run outrun Mercedes 180 Pontons in his Aston Martin you know I mean there's something wrong here I don't care if they're Koreans hanging out of it shooting with machine guns they, you know, he still should have been able to outrun them. And, I mean, that's a pretty bad one, too, because he drives into the, the, the mirror in the end of the, the chase. It's like, oh, come on. And on the, and on the other hand, it's, I think it's fair to ask, would Aston Martin even be around if it were for, weren't for James Bond these days? Would, would that company have been saved? That's a good question. Well, that, that car was the auto enthusiast fantasy car. I mean, the shield that comes up, mm -hmm. the bulletproof shield, the dropping the oil, the, the shooting, the, the guns. I, I mean, you know. We all had the Corgi model, didn't we? Who didn't? have a yeah. corgi model, right? But most important of all, the, the spinners that came out of uh, the wheels and chewed they, up that Mustang. They cut up the Mustang. Straight from Ben-Hur. Yep. Right. And ejection seat. How many yeah. people had pretended that they had an ejection button on the My top Mini of the actually has a button? switch that says ejection seat <laughs> in it. Um, what, what's interesting about Bond is that they've had some very good car chases as well. And, and one of the best, I still contend, was in Diamonds Are Forever that takes place in, in sort of downtown Las Vegas at night with real people watching it and being filmed. And they were doing it at legit speeds. Uh, there's only one time there was any significant aggressive crowd control where they had to drive the car up on the, uh, on the, the sidewalk. They probably didn't want to have some real pedestrians hit there. But it's a pretty good car chase, all things considered. It's well done. It's very good for its time, especially. And, and it has an astonishing hiccup in it. Which is? Okay, in, in part of the chase, they have to go through part of this alley that's too narrow to drive a car through. So Bond puts the car on two wheels and drives through the, the narrow alley on two wheels. Does the Joey Chitwood maneuver. Right. Now, the problem was that was shot at Universal City on the back lot. It was where they had the set done, and they did a, a duplicate of a light out on the street. The pickup shot that was photographed earlier in Las Vegas, the car came out on the driver's side. It went in on the passenger side. <laughs> and they had to do an insert plate on the process screen where he turns the car this way to this way, which is a physical impossibility if it was that narrow. But you're like, oh, come on. It's still a great car chase. Um, so Bond films have good ones. And did you guys see the last Bond film, Quantum of Solace? Yeah. has a spectacular car chase in the opening scene, the pre-credit scene, where... Uh, there is some hellacious driving being done in narrow, crowded Italian roads with trucks around, the door gets torn off as Aston DBS. 
it's, it's, and let's put it this way, it's definitely the adrenaline's flowing for the car. Oh, and that was the one where there was the horrible accident. Was that not the one where the uh, stunt driver... Uh, he was injured, yeah. He took the car off the road yeah. uh, into the lake. Injured? Yeah, he was injured. I don't think he was killed. But, but the, the point is, this was when there were like three DBSs they could use for that at the time. It's like, well, are we going to take a customer's car? No, bad idea. Well, and to... Uh, all these Bond films, the good ones and the bad ones, the good cars and the bad cars, a lot of those cars were pre-production. The BMW Z3 in the, the first uh, BMW Bond film. The, the Mustang, I think, in Goldfinger was... The gold, they, very had to, they had to Mustang. fly it over to Switzerland because they shot that before the Mustang launch. The other one that's interesting, the BMW Z8 that is, doesn't appear much in um, Tomorrow Never Dies... Oh, no, that's, uh, the world's not enough, gets cut in half. That was actually, for most of the time, that was Cobra replicas that were rebodied and had full interiors from BMWs because BMW had one Z8 they could give them. And it's like, what are we going to do? So they made duplicate cars, and uh, they all went back to BMW because that would be kind of an interesting car to own. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a Cobra replica car that looks just like a Z8? Yeah, okay. Very interesting, yeah. Mm -hmm. Comedies and cars, Todd. Cars have played heavily in, in a lot of uh, comedies. W.C. Fields? Oh, nothing. yeah. I mean, if you go back to uh, the, uh, the early days, especially. I mean, we talked about uh, the uh, million. Uh, help me out. It's a million. I mean, if, I, if I had a million. If I had a million. I remember seeing that when I was a kid. I remember the one scene. There's just one small scene in an episodic kind of a, a serial type of film where uh, a millionaire gives a million dollars to various people during the Depression. And W.C. Fields playing Rollo or Rollo, depending on how you pronounce it depending on how his wife pronounces it, uh, goes out, they go out the first day in the brand new Ford and they get hit by a road hog. And, uh, totals the car. Totals the car. And then, then he gets the million dollars and they spend it on buying all these old jalopies to go after road hogs who uh, might run them off the road. Great, great scene. Great it, it, it's, it's a series of great car chases. It's, it's, very, it's one part of the film that's very, very good. Um, Fields also did the, 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 the end credits of Never Give a Sucker an Even Break, where it's this thing where the car gets snagged by a hook and ladder truck and gets elevated in the air, and they're sliding it around sideways as the hook and ladder is making these tight turns, and it gets thrown off the hook and ladder and scutters into a, uh, in front of a maternity hospital. And after the crash, Fields sort of gets out of the car and the door's falling off and he drops the steering wheel and he says, good thing I had an accident. I know it would have gotten here if I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, it was Fields at his best. And did they, I believe they used that scene in other movies afterward. Uh, Marx Brothers and um, maybe not Marx Brothers, but uh, Abbott and Costello. Very likely, uh, same studio because it's universal. And, uh, use clips of that. I mean, you shoot one great uh, chase scene, you spend a lot of money on it, well, why reshoot it? That's right. Use well, it over and over and over again. Get your money's worth out of exactly. it. Exactly. Peter, mad, 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 mad world. There, one one of the quintessential comedy movies of all times, and cars play a massive role in that movie. Uh, absolutely, and uh, Jim can probably uh, elaborate on it because uh, we both can. I mean, th this is again like uh, like Grand Prix. I dragged my my parents to it when I was a very young kid. At this point, it was 1962. But that was that was emblematic of the last of the old Hollywood, big Hollywood, yeah, last of the big productions, big name cast, uh, MGM. But I mean, they had they had functionally chases in the air in it. Yeah. You know, there's an airplane sequence. It was it's it's an amazing. So is that not a car? Ch not a chase because there are no cars involved in the air chase. To get it's back not, to it's our, not a, it's not a car chase. Yeah. Well, we, we, we. I said it's a great scene. No. No. But the, you know the, the scenes with the taxis and people hanging out of the taxis on the open doors. The whole movie is a chase. You're right. Exactly. It is it, just know. to find it, the big it, W. It qualifies. And it had all these great cars. I mean, it had. I mean, they were just average cars, but all these cars in it. And when you're a kid and you love cars, that's what you want to see. And uh, had Dick Chaw. Dick Sean uh, driving oh. around. Not, I, it's just a funny movie. You have to see it. If you have not seen it, it's worthwhile. It's one of the best.
and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. The car plays a massive role in My that. My favorite, even though it wasn't a real Ferrari. Thank God. Good wait, wait, explain that. Explain, what do you mean it wasn't a real Ferrari? Well, uh, Ferris. Bueller, the story was he spent his whole high school career avoiding high school, and uh, his buddy's dad had a Ferrari California Spider in a display room in this contemporary house, and it was absolutely spectacular, and um, Ferris goes over and, want, first of all, coaxes his friend to take the day off school, because that's all Ferris does is, you know scam his way out of school and says, uh, you know, let's take the Ferrari, you know, and, and his buddy says, uh, no, you know, that's my dad's pride and joy. There's only like, you know, and uh, Ferris, there was a great line. He says something, well, it's your dad's mistake that he left you the keys. <laughs> and the next thing you see, Ferris is backing it up. The car was... Uh, a uh, kit car with a Ford V8 yeah. that you could buy. And it was actually It was quite cosmetically darn close. Uh, on the outside, it was very, very close to a, a, a 250. Good enough California. film, certainly. And yeah. they spent the, the they, they blasted around Chicago with it. The famous scene, they valet parked it. And Ferris is asking, you think this is okay? And, and Ferris is telling him, oh, it's fine, fine. As soon as they walk out, the two valet guys are driving it out of the a parking lot, and the next thing you know, they're 40 feet off the ground, jumping. <laughs> it was to the, to the theme from Star Wars. Yeah, <laughs> yes, which was a great, nice touch. Yeah, Ferris Bueller, that was great. Well, it's good to know they didn't destroy a real Ferrari. Yeah. That. Uh, Jim, the Blues Brothers. What we open the show with has got to be uh, again one of the all-time classics when it comes to cars and movies. You know, just when it starts with the Blues Mobile, and he's explaining why the Cadillac's gone about cop tires, cop engine, cop brakes, yeah. and they jump that uh, drawbridge. It's an amazing scene. Uh, who doesn't know the fact that the new Oldsmobiles are in early this year when they're cha- they have a car chase inside a shopping mall? You know, it's, it's, it's astonishing. But there's the one image that has just glued into my mind from that, and it's the cars doing the pirouettes and forming this giant pile of police cars. For no apparent reason, they're flying through the air under the L, and there, there must be 30 or 40 cars in a pile, and the cops get out of them all uninjured. They draw their guns, and they just start firing down the street where the Blues Brothers' car is driving away. And I'm like, again, a perfect, a perfect example of the excess that we had gotten to after that 10- or 12-year period of all these car chases, cop movies, shootout movies, all this stuff. How can you not like a movie that, that, that has a flying Pinto in it? With Henry, exactly. with Henry Gibson. With Henry Gibson in it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, right. as a Nazi. Yeah. It, it's, it's one of those movies. The images from it are so amazing. And the funny thing is, when it came out, um, I, I, I didn't like it. I aggressively didn't like it. I thought it was, it, was, it was sort of wasteful. It was a waste of money. You know, that Landis, I expected more from him, the director. And... As Time it's has older, proven you it, wrong. It has proven me completely wrong. Um, the, the, I actually like the music more than I did. Then I'm smarter than, than I was. Yeah. You know, I like the music more. And it's it's one of those films where if it's on, I'll tune it in because it's always going to make me smile. And a little bit of trivia there. And, and we've talked about how we can do a chase scene and have, if you know the city, you know that it's not physically possible because you're jumping around. Well, actually, the Pinto flies off a freeway construction and in Milwaukee. I, I lived in Milwaukee at the time. Grew up there, and uh, and they were building this new ramp, this new bridge, and and that's the scene they used. 
Well, you know, Hollywood has Florida. never let facts get in the way of a good story. No. Why should you? Or Why a good car chase. Yeah, great, exactly. great movie. I mean, though. think about it. In Bullet, the Charger loses six hubcaps. Yeah, right. They, they fall off during the chase scene. Exactly yeah. Right. See, the bullet chase was not shot in sequence because they didn't have a script for the chase. So they shot on weekends. And after the first hubcap fell off, apparently somebody from continuity said, what do we do? And they said, put it back on because we don't know how they're going to edit it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cult classics. What about Rendezvous? There's a, there's a movie that's been around. A lot of disagreement here, I think. In, in terms of a, being a classic or good well, or Well, yeah, yeah, I think so. I think uh, there's... I mean. Uh, Peter, I think you like it a lot. I like it a lot. I mean, first of all, it's Paris at dawn. On a Sunday. On a Sunday. Uh, something. And, and it's just a guy driving through Paris flat out in a car that nobody really knows for sure, not by viewing the video. Not by viewing the video. Well, not, or the film. And there, Jim will say that, it, that it's not flat out. I will say that it doesn't matter because you've got, uh, how many point of view shots have you had up until that, that point? I mean, this was... An early point of view shot. Well, we let's, just it say, let's just say it's fast enough. Exactly. It is. But if you time it out, if you know the distance and you time it out, the fastest they ever get up to is probably about 135 kilometers per hour, 80 or so. And they aren't but doing it for the. They aren't doing it. fast in the it, it city. It is. It is. But there's a time where the Ferrari, the, the Ferrari driven by the Formula One driver, this is the hype about the movie, um, is unable to quickly pass a, a Renault taxi. Okay, now that must be a hell of a Renault taxi. True, but if you time it out, then you're also the guy who cares about the fact that the Pinto flew off a bridge in Milwaukee and not in Chicago. No, that's how it got the altitude. It was, it was Milwaukee's a long way away, you know. Um, but, but with Ronda, the, the thing is, was Claude Lelouch did it, the, the, the French director. He had a brand new Mercedes uh, 450 SEL 6.9, and they mounted the camera. There were, it was basically a dynamic mount test you wanted to do with a, a, a stabilized camera on. And when you have a relatively wide-angle lens, and as you move it closer to the, anything that's moving, it exaggerates everything. So it looks great. They dubbed in the soundtrack because the Mercedes... Great soundtrack. It is a great soundtrack. Um, and it does mesh up well with the way the car is being sure. driven. Sure, and that, that means the people that were involved in it knew that stuff. Okay, it wasn't like the first sound editor for Grand Prix where he didn't know that you had to have the engine change note when you shifted gears, that they got the guy off the film. But to me, it's, the hype is bigger than the film. And it's, it's, it's entertaining and it's neat. But it, it's Paris in the morning. I'd rather be there myself, walking. I, I, think the, I think the hype is among us car guys, just because we've argued over what kind of car it was yeah. for so many years. And I think now you, you just watch it and enjoy it. It's a, a great point of view movie. How, how long is it? It's what, 12 minutes? No, it's no, not that long. It's eight, 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 eight to nine, nine yeah. 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 Which, think about that. I mean, here's something that uh, came out, never really made the theater. No, it was never it? theatrically right. released. And, and now you can get it on DVD. Mm -hmm. But other mm -hmm. than that, I mean, how, did, how come we all know about this thing? Exactly. And we know, we know it better than Claude Lelouch's A Man and a Woman, which Correct. has some good racing scenes. That in it. was. That, that, in fact, that's another one we should mention. Yeah, Ford, that was a great movie. Yeah. Anuka, is that a Nukami or is that Nukami? Uh, yes. Yeah, Nukami, and, and and again, Jean-Paul Sartre. Uh, Jean-Paul Sartre. <laughs> <laughs> what else? Uh, Repo Man. Well, that's the yeah. cult film. That, that's that, yeah. Well, that's what we're talking. Cult that's films. that's the cult film. I mean, if you think about car it, car guys, because it's about guys that repossess cars. So it has cars in it, and it has recurring cars, and any car that has a, a, a Chevrolet Malibu, a Chevelle Malibu with a trunk full of dead aliens in it is going to be good, okay? You know, you know it's going to be good. It, it's, there's instant classic there. Um, 
that's the one where I learned you should only eat food out of vending machines. Because that, that's, that's in there. I mean, it's an important thing to remember. And, of course, the whole thing about uh, fried shrimp, was it? Uh, plate of shrimp. Plate of shrimp, yes. Yeah, because there is this sort of uh, lattice of... of the, the character says the more you drive, the less intelligent you are, the less intelligent you become. So that's not a good sign for us car guys, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but probably everyone else will agree. Uh, but perhaps. It's, it's, it's an entertaining film. It and might actually, explain a lot of other drivers. It's it Harry Dean Stanton. And he, he's great in it. Uh, it's probably, I would say, it's, it's the best thing Emilio Estevez has ever done in his career. Mm. <laughs> okay, and I'm going off a list here because I, I don't know this one. Duel. What's Duel? Duel was Steven Spielberg's first uh, feature-length movie. It's simply a story about a guy, Dennis Weaver, in a beater valiant. Who's, where was he driving? He's, we know. It's somewhere in the southwest. So, leaving Los Angeles. A, a new valiant. Business uh, trip. Business trip. Yeah, business trip. Salesman. And this uh, Russ, was it Russ colored tractor, semi tractor? Yeah. Tanker. Tanker uh, just follows him. He passes with dark windows. He passes yeah. it and haunts once. Oh, so now maybe and, the guy's after him. Right? And that's the movie. And my God. The rest of the movie is this guy stalks Dennis Weaver and. And Spielberg's such a genius at it. By the time you're done, it's just you're you're on the edge of your seat. It's, it's his first feature-length movie. Yeah. I, I, well, I'm gonna have to go look it's at brilliantly that. Brilliantly done. I, I'm gonna have to go back and look at a, a number of the ones on the list here because, unfortunately, once again, we've run out of time. We have not run out of movies to talk about or details for you guys to fill in. But I got to thank you all: Todd Lassa, Jim Thanks, Hall, Jeff. Peter DeLorenzo. Terrific Thanks, having you guys, and thank all of you for having tuned in. I do my best thinking on the bus. That's how come I don't drive, see? You don't even know how to drive. I don't want to know how. I don't want to learn, see? The more you drive, the less intelligent you are.